You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 136, It Prevails, hosted by Dan Terry. I don't want to be a total dick. I mean, it happens, but I don't want to be. And Mark? You're like timestamping <laughs> that shit right now. <laughs> and Joseph Wren. Buy in bulk, that's what Lemmy always said. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think it prevails, but for how long... Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Challenge accepted, sir. We're talking about It Prevails. We are. I, I'd really never listened to this band before this podcast, so this is this was all news to me. It is kind of interesting that it launched right after, you know, or at least that we're recording it right after we did the Shy Falud episode. It's, it's very strange because this band kind of gives me some vibes. Some Shy Halud vibes, a little bit of Life in Your Way vibes, at least on their first record, which we're going to get into all that. But man, oh man, do we have some feedback to read for you guys tonight. Right off the bat, I want to say thank you to Brandon Sabre Jr. You asked for it. We're talking about it prevails. Brandon tweeted at us, totally popped when Joe challenged me to a triple threat match in the Hope for the Dying episode. Challenge stands, sir. Brandon Kellum's in. We'll talk. I love that episode so much. I feel like Hope for the Dying doesn't get talked about enough. But when they do, it's nothing but good things that get said. It's pretty accurate. I mean, we we criticized a little bit because that's, you know, what we do. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, great band. Very, very enjoyable listen. So we got probably the best email that we've ever gotten on this show. How many times have you said that in the past 135 they, episodes? They keep fucking one-upping each other, dude. I don't know how else to explain it. I'm going to read this. This is a book, and I'm going to read it, so... I'm going to try not to fuck it up. But even if I do, you guys aren't going to hear that. Nine hours and two beers later. Well, Sam Suderman sent us an email with the title, Fit for a King and Coffee Analogies. Too long, didn't read. Coffee snob lightheartedly attempts to poke fun at discography discussions. Fit for a King slash Starbucks coffee analogy. Then compliments them and leaves a fun fact. Hey, in episode 98 of Discography Discussion, you guys said Fit for a King was like a damn good cup of coffee from Starbucks. Dark roast, consistent, etc. Now, as a fan of coffee, or a coffee snob, I feel the need to defend that analogy while putting Starbucks in its place as makers of bad black coffee. Firstly, dark roast is not the pinnacle of good coffee. For the most part, dark roast destroys any possibility of unique flavor and overloads your mouth with the taste of bitterness. I like a smooth cup of coffee. Black, of course. Cream and sugar are horrific devices used to torture coffee. And if you like bitter, just find some alcohol instead. Dude, it's fine. I found some. Secondly, Starbucks is not a good roaster. They sold out making good coffee, making their coffee more available and appealing to a larger market. So if you were using Starbucks in a metal band analogy, Starbucks is more so a band that used to be super metalcore. They helped the movement grow and then changed their sound in a pop-leaning direction so more people could enjoy them. Fit for a King is like a good cup of Chemex coffee with the beans sourced from Ethiopia and costing at least $20 Canadian. I believe that word was Chemex. Chemex, Chemex, you know, I know things. About $15 for Americans. But the inherent fruitiness of Ethiopian beans makes it so the cup is not bitter. So yeah, that's what Fit for a King is like. But actually, I love this podcast. I definitely haven't listened to all your guys' episodes. But I enjoy what you guys do, and I hope this email didn't sound like an asshole complaining about misrepresentation of coffee. It's meant in lighthearted fun. Keep doing what you're doing and reviewing great bands. And seeing as I can't rate your podcast on Spotify, I'll give it to you here. Five out of five. P.S. Fun fact about coffee. 
Coffee beans are actually the seeds of a cherry plant called the Cascara cherry. So technically, coffee could be a fruit smoothie. Where do you want to start? Well, Sam, first of all, <laughs> first of all, th- thank you so much for that email because I was having a shitty day when I read that. And after I read that, I was not having as much of a shitty day. Uh, I did respond to it. You've already got the response and all that. Um, all I can say in my defense is that I do enjoy bitter taste. So in that case, I, I don't necessarily think that Starbucks is total shit. But if it is, it's shit that I like. Keeping in the theme of I want to challenge people to triple threat matches, I want to defend my analogy because it was very specifically chosen. Fit for a King is like Dark Roast from Starbucks. Fit for a King, although I enjoy them, they're not really pushing the bar. They're not really setting any standards. It's another record of what you're going to hear in 2019 if you're listening to that mediocre, melodic, modern pop metal band. Mediocre? Overall, I enjoy Fit for a King. But are they doing something that the other bands are not doing? No. But those vocals, though. They do have Backbreaker. Oh, my God, they have Backbreaker. Over on Facebook, we got a comment on the Hope for the Dying episode from one Mr. Brian Patton, who you guys heard from last week. He says, Strike First is like the minor league team. Come on, guys. The analogy was right there for the taking. Look, Brian, I get it, dude. Joe's analogy maker was broken that week. We, we can't deny that. However, it is now fixed, so you can be looking forward to tons of mind-blowing analogies from here on out, as long as the warranty hasn't expired. Buy in bulk. That's what Lemmy always said. Did God himself say that? <laughs> on the Rammstein episode featuring Matt Nas of Roach Coach, we got a comment from Marshall Bar- Bear saying, two of my favorite podcasts collide. Ought to be good. To which I just absolutely could not resist posting a link to Power Man 5000's video for When Worlds Collide. Well done, sir. I just, I had to do it. It was one of those situations where I was like, what would Joe do in this situation? So I just did that. Find an obscure new metal reference from the early 2000s. Is it obscure? I don't think it's obscure. When Worlds Collide is not obscure. But there are people who have forgotten about Power Man 5000 until you remind them of Tonight the Stars Revolt. Ugh, such an awesome record. When are we going to talk about Power Man 5000? Uh, I don't know, whenever I get around to it. Finally, before we talk about It Prevails, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, but the thing that I want to drill into your guys' heads, your beautiful, beautiful heads, share the episodes. Reviews are great. They make me feel better personally. But man, when we post an episode and one of you guys share it, it makes me feel even better than that. It's like this It's like this amazing euphoric feeling of, oh my God, the potential of a single person that has hundreds of people on their friends list that might actually see and or check out the episode that you shared. I mean, that's a feeling that you just can't get anywhere else. Share the episodes, guys. I've got some really cool shit that I'm digging through in my basement. We're going to give it away. So what I need you to do is hit that share button whenever the episode posts. Once you share it, I will write your name down 
and I will put you into a drawing to win that cool shit. I will let you know what that cool shit is next week, and that's when we'll start the contest. So seriously, guys, sharing is probably the best thing that you can possibly do for this podcast. So, Dan, tell me about It Prevails. It Prevails is a melodic hardcore band from Portland, Oregon. Actually, they date back to 2004, and they cite their influences as Shy Halud, 12 Tribes, Strong Arm, bands like that, which is funny because we just talked about Shy Halud. We talked about bands like this, so I'm, I'm very familiar with where they're coming from. This is definitely going to be kind of an up and down sort of discography for me because I wasn't really familiar with It Prevails. I mean, obviously, yeah, I've watched their videos on YouTube and, and stuff like that. Like, they're, they're a band that I, that I know about, but have never really, like, pulled the trigger and, and bought an album or took it home and found out what the band was all about until this week, because that's the beautiful thing about this podcast. That's, that's what we do for you guys every week. They self-released an EP in 2005, which we're not going to talk about because fuck EPs. I want to jump right into their debut, which was The Inspiration. 2007. This is on Rise Records, which I found very interesting because this is probably my favorite album by the band. Rise Records is kind of synonymous with poppy, hardcore, or metalcore bands. They, they kind of have that reputation that if you're a, if you're a Rise Records band, you kind of follow us, kind of, you kind of follow a formula. And that formula is, the, is of the sing, scream variety. I don't necessarily think that Rise Records is responsible for that. They just kind of signed bands that they knew were going to sell, and everybody loves a melodic heavy band. So that's kind of what they just capitalized on. The sing-chorus-scream-verse thing was in full effect. Post-New Metal, now that I think about it, New Metal did that a lot. So you had these hardcore metalcore bands that just tapped into that formula and went with it. We really didn't get a lot of innovation in those years. I think that they were very sincere on this first record. This is the first It Prevails album that I really feel like has that influence of Shy Halud and Strong Arm and bands like that. They definitely do the sort of melodic lead guitar work that is kind of reminiscent of pop punk in places, more so than just heavy stuff. But they but they mix it with heavier with heavy vocals. And, and a heavy rhythm guitar and drums and bass and all that good shit. And like they, they definitely they definitely sound reminiscent of the bands that they're influenced by on this record. So like you can criticize Rise Records all you want, but the reality is is that the best album that this band put out was on Rise Records. It's the most legitimate as far as being a melodic hardcore release and just being sincere in what it was. This is definitively my favorite record by this band. Right off the bat. Yes. And that normally doesn't happen. Like, usually when I listen to a band, I see them kind of turning into the band they're going to be. And I don't get that from this band. I think this band wanted to sound like a melodic hardcore band, like the bands that we mentioned. And they largely succeed in that on this record. Uh, it's a lot of the same shit that I said about Shy Halud. Passionate vocals, technical, melodic guitar playing, they, they have it all. They put it all together really well, and it, it hits me in the emotional. It hits me in the feels in a way that a lot of heavier bands don't. It makes me feel the music. It makes me feel like it's so much more important, maybe, than it really is. But I love the passion of the vocals, and I love, I love just the way the whole product comes together. I think It Prevails did a great job. The only, the only knock I really have on this band and this sound 
is in 2007. There's no reason why I'm going to listen to this band when Shy Halud exists. I think if I had known about this band earlier, this would be a record that lives on the shelf in the ether of hardcore bands from the early 2000s. I don't know that I hear anything that stands out for me personally, but I will say the band at that time sounds like a band I would have enjoyed seeing live. When I'm headbanging up front, I'm usually in sync with the drummer, and this record just makes me want to bob for the entire 30 minutes and 30 seconds that these guys are playing. I don't hear anything special or spectacular, but it's good enough for going to the hardcore show, and It Prevails comes out. To that extent, it works. I think it totally works, and I don't think musically it's all that out of left field from like what we were doing with End of Destiny around the same time. You know, like like having that melodic, you know, because basically in End of Destiny, we had a pop punk guitar player. And so he, he brought that like prettier, more melodic sound into it. And then I just screamed over it, which, you know, like I'm and I'm not I'm not comparing like it prevails to us. Obviously, obviously, their record was far more produced and, you know, had a lot more dollars in it than, than you ours You can say did. successful. It's okay. Successful. You know, um, <laughs> it sounds a lot better, you know, and and that's... But, like, when I when I listen to it, I definitely hear what I thought End of Destiny was in my head or, or what we were trying to achieve. But, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, It Prevails achieved it on this record. It's a very, it's a very good record by the band. It's a great debut. And I was pretty stoked whenever I heard this because I was like, all right, cool. This band's going to be great, and I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be Shy Halud all over again, and I didn't even know about it. Unfortunately, that's that's not really what happened. 2009, Capture and Embrace. Starts off strong. So this one was actually not put out on uh, Rise Records. This was their first album with Rain City Records, and actually their only album with Rain City. Never even heard of that label, so... Maybe they didn't perform as well on the inspiration for Rise as they could have, because Rise is kind of a bigger label, so I guess they didn't sign a multi-album deal, or maybe they got dropped. I don't know what the story is. If I had to guess, I would say that just the inspiration did not perform well, which isn't a knock against the album itself. I think that album is great, and I think it's a lot better than this. This album sounds like the next record, but the emotion and the intensity that was there before seems to have been mixed out of it. I don't agree with that 100%. Like, I think the emotion is the only thing that kind of keeps me on board. I agree with what you're saying, though, that, like, it's it's more poppy. It's more bright. It's it's more pretty. And this was kind of whenever they started with their clean vocals. And I'm going to be a fucking meathead here and say, yeah, they've got clean vocals, and clean vocals are fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with clean vocals. However, I think that it can sometimes take away from the emotion of a screamed chorus. You know, like when we, when we talked about Chai Halud, we, we talked about how all of their lyrics are delivered so passionately and that they don't resort to cheap tricks to create more melody. It Prevails kind of starts doing that on this record. They kind of resort to the whole, well, you guys have to have a clean vocalist because, you know, it's just going to sound better that way. Well, it's 2009. It doesn't sound that way to me. Post-Coheed, everybody's trying to bring hardcore and metalcore 
past the mainstream success that it had with emo five years prior. When I'm listening to this album, comparing to the first one, it automatically sounds like somebody got a producer involved and everybody just laid back and played their instruments and let the engineer do the work. I'm not saying that the album is completely devoid of emotion because obviously the vocalist still has some, but the record as a whole doesn't feel like the band is trying to push their way through me with their intensity. Well, yeah, and that's what's frustrating to me is that these songs will start off sounding like something that you would hear on the inspiration, and then the clean vocals come in and they kind of just take me out of it. Because now I'm like, okay, these songs didn't have to have choruses, but now they do. You know, like when I when I described in the last episode about how like bands like bands like Shy Halud and Strongarm, it's like they're trying to create a picture out of puzzle pieces. This band isn't trying to create a picture necessarily. They're just creating a feeling. And so like this record aesthetically has the same feeling as the inspiration. They're throwing in all this stuff that they think might make them bigger. And I think it largely fails. I think that I think that this band would be better off sticking to the heavy side of it and riding that to the end of the road. And I realize that's like opposite advice from what a record producer would say. But I don't think that the clean vocals are exceptional. They're okay. Like they, they get the job done. But it's kind of like it's kind of like what Joe said back on the old Under Oath episode, where you know what what did Aaron Gillespie do? He he got a high note and then he held it, and that that's basically what this band is doing. But it's not like the guy doing the clean singing is particularly exceptional at it. And I think like there's a little bit of an appeal in that. Like that's kind of a saving grace for it is that like he doesn't sound totally manufactured. He sounds real. But I'm just you know I I don't really care about those parts. I just. I kind of want them to be over so that I can get back to like the, the screaming and the, the heaviness. And for the most part, they definitely do that, but every single song, they, they cram those cleans in there and it just it's just not super enjoyable for me because they're not like amazing cleans where I'm like, oh wow. It's not that like cloud parting moment that you get from bands like um, My Ticket Home or, or even Slipknot or, you know, um, or, or even like, even, even something like As Like Dying or Kill Switch Engage where where the clean vocals are an extra element that enhances the song. Here, it's almost like they're just there just to be there, and so that they don't really add anything to the song. You could remove them, and the songs would be just as good. It's the ultimate emo metalcore trope. Play the intense part, do the melodic chorus, and then hit the high note and hold it. And that's a bummer. I think this record's okay musically. I think, I think musically it's on par with the inspiration but the vocals take me out of it. And spoiler alert, this is kind of the way it's going to be. 2011, Stroma. As far as I'm concerned, Stroma is capture and embrace. All over again, same thing. Basically. We wrote a bunch of songs. We kind of played slower than we did on the last record. Now we're going to hit that high note that everybody's looking for, right? It's 2011. We still want that. We didn't want that. Their sound hasn't really diversified or grown here. And that's unfortunate. Like, it didn't get me wrong. Like, I could have I could have listened to them do the inspiration four times, like, forever. And I'd have been like, that's cool. You know, just stick with that, guys. On a personal level, I could have listened to that, the inspiration four times and been like, this is a pretty good band. Not particularly innovative, but, but good. And uh, with, with Stroma, it sounds like Capture and Embrace, and it has all the stuff in Capture and Embrace that I liked and all the stuff that I didn't like. And again, those clean vocals just kill me. Like, they're just... They're there for almost no reason. They, they could have been screamed and it would have 
made the songs more intense. And so I, I can't help but think that there's like a there's like a record producer or an agent or somebody involved with the management of this band that's basically been telling them all the way since Capture and Embrace that you guys are going to break really soon. You're going to be the next big thing. So you just keep it up. Just keep doing what you're doing. And eventually people are going to catch on. And I think I think that's the issue is that they don't necessarily push forward with their sound at all. They, they do a lot of the same tricks that they did on the inspiration. And so... Yeah, I mean, it feels good. It feels emotional, you know, and like these records all sound good. But if you're not into clean melodic choruses, which I'm generally not, it just kind of falls flat because I'm like, man, this would have been so much more intense if it would have just been a little bit more go for the throat, if it had been just a little bit more aggressive. Is this even a metal band anymore? I'm not necessarily sure they were ever a metal band per se. I mean, at their heaviest, they were a hardcore band. You know, um, I know they, they list themselves or cite themselves as metallic hardcore, which I mean, I guess is in line with like what Shai Halud was doing. But even Shai Halud knew when to go heavy, you know, just listening to the opening song of Stroma. I'm getting more of a Hope's Fall vibe than I am a Shai Halud vibe. It's starting to sound more like alternative rock or melodic space rock than it is metal or metallic hardcore, although I do appreciate the fact that they use the original term. The difference between metallic hardcore and metalcore is metallic hardcore is just hardcore with metal overtones, while metalcore is the opposite. It's straight metal with hardcore vocals. Well, basically it's like like they're clear in their influences. That these guys are informed as far as what good melodic hardcore is. But what are they doing that sets them apart from those influences. Nothing at all. And that's the issue that I have. You know, there, there's tons of other bands that play this style, uh, like Life in Your Way and Hundredth and, you know, even even Older Hopes Fall, to the point where there's almost no reason for me to listen to this over that. And that, that's, that's the biggest issue that I have is that I think the vocalist is passionate, but I, I feel like it's all being kind of held back because there's nothing immediate about it. They just... They just do what they do, and they do it well, but it's just not my thing. I think that's, I think that's really where I'm coming from. Like, I knew this, I know this was a listener recommendation, and, you know, we're not, we're not here to, to shit on your favorite band, but this just, this just did not connect with me, uh, unfortunately, the way that it probably connected with you. You know, I, I don't think it makes either one of us wrong, but this band, you know, clearly is a hardworking band, but I feel like they're three albums in, and they're still trying to break. Like, keep doing the same thing, and eventually people are going to get behind it. And I think they've just never had that big break. 2015, Perdition. I mean, what can I say? It, it's the same thing again. We, we've now gotten three albums from It Prevails that essentially do the exact same thing. This is a clinical example of the same thing for three records. It's like a 311 song. Chad Sexton plays like a robot, so it sounds the same on purpose, but it does sound the same. It does sound the same, and that's my issue with it. I like the way the vocalist sounds. I like some of the melodic guitar riffing. Beyond that, it's just another album by It Prevails, a band that's essentially been doing the same thing since 2007. And, you know, maybe they're doing well. I, they probably have a pretty dedicated fan base. They don't do what they do badly. They just do what they do and nothing else. Why is it okay with Slayer and not this? I don't have a non-hypocritical answer for that. Why does it work then for a Shai Halud or a Society's Finest 
or a glass jaw or a fit for a king to do the same thing and we think it's a home run but this does not work is this just not your thing today is it just another example of something else that you already have on the shelf and you're looking for what sets it apart and nothing's there I'm going to tear your examples apart a little bit. Society's Finest, they always sounded different to a full. They never sounded like the same band between releases. Glassjaw consistently changed. Uh, Everything you ever wanted to know about Silence by Glassjaw sounds vastly different than Worship and Tribute by Glassjaw. I think Fit for a King is probably the best answer or the best example you gave. The only thing I'd say about Fit for a King is they have standout tracks. Fit for a King has an it factor that It Prevails does not have. It Prevails is so caught up in their own influences that there's nothing that they do that separates them from other bands that sound like them. Fit for a King has the it factor of those guys can fucking produce a single. Now, before anybody goes ape shit over what I just said, you have to understand that I'm not saying that a band has to have a top 40 single in order to be successful, but you have to have songs on your albums that sound different enough from each other to be memorable on their own. And It Prevails doesn't have that. Fit for a King does have that. That's the difference. Hope's Fall has that. Shy Halud has that. Strongarm had that. It Prevails doesn't have that. Maybe on the first album they do, but everything else is just them trying to do the same thing again in order for somebody to catch on to it. If you made me a playlist of, and I will on the show notes for this episode, I'll make you a playlist. And without cheating, I want you to tell me which album each song is from. I feel like Brandon Sabre Jr. is going to swoop in and answer all the questions for the rest of the class. I hope that he does, because there's obviously something about this band that I'm not getting. And I want to get it. Like, and again, I don't hate the band. I think they sound good overall. Like, I'm not going to turn them off if they come on on a on a playlist. I'm concerned that I wouldn't notice they were here. I would be asking myself, what band is this? I know it's not Under Oath, but I can't quite picture which band this is just from listening to it. Well, it's obviously not Under Oath, but yeah, they don't they don't have their own identity. So, like, whenever I say that, oh, they're obviously not under oath because that band has an identity. Drowning in my sleep. These guys don't really have an identity that separates them from their influences. And that might be okay for them, but as a music critic, I feel the need to point it out that, like, hey, you know, you guys could use a little bit more of originality. Like, you, you could have more original songs or just try to do something a little different. For example, like, they even say that they're heavily influenced by classic rock. And I don't hear that. I definitely don't hear that. On any of this. Maybe that's something you guys should try. And I thought, like, maybe, like, okay, maybe they've updated. I know they went away for a while, and they came back in 2019 and released an EP. And I listened to the EP, and it just sounds just like this. And I'm like, have you guys just been doing this so long that you can't do anything else? Or, or, or like, I, I just don't 100% understand it. But I don't think this band is bad. I think they do a really good job of doing what they do. I like melodic hardcore. I like the way that it sounds. But unfortunately, there's nothing about this band that makes me want to listen to them other, like over any other melodic hardcore band that I like. Would that be your final thought? Yeah, and I'm just going to add a special exception, whereas if this was the first melodic hardcore band that you ever heard, I could definitely see them being like favorite band material. I think It Prevails overall is every hardcore metalcore band with emo influences or take everything I just said and reverse it. 
that you've ever heard. And if that's your jam, then you probably have every one of these albums. And you put them in your rotation the same way I put Load and Reload into my rotation. Most people think they're absolute atrocities and Metallica never should have released them. But there are songs that I like and the albums as a whole that I do like listening to. So for me, It Prevails doesn't really stand out. But I can see why someone would like this band if this is what they're into as a metal fan. Damn, what's your album of the week? Circleback, Terminus. I know, I know. They're not paying me, but I love it. I'm glad you mentioned pop punk earlier because mine is Sum 41, Chuck. Well, that's a metal album. It's false thrash, that's for sure. You're like, it's a loophole. (laughs) (laughs) I can have my cake and eat it too. I can say I listen to pop punk when I really just listen to thrash. I admit it, I listen to pop punk and I listen to thrash metal and I listen to Sum 41 that does both. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Dan... Why don't you ever talk about my favorite band? Well, first of all, we just did for Brandon. We talked about a band that he suggested. Do you want us to talk about a band that you suggest? Hit us up. You know where we're at. We're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash discography discussion. We're on Twitter at Discuss Metal. We even have a Discord server that you can join and talk to us all the time. There's tons of people on the Discord server that talk to us all the time. If you're not one of those people, then you're missing out. There's a link in the show notes. It'll take you right to our Discord server. Join it. It'll be a ton of fun. You can even send us an email at danandjoeshow at gmail.com to talk about the finer points of coffee or whatever you want to talk about. Let us know how you're doing. We're here for you guys. And on that note, this has been episode 136 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please, send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. So perky. So perking what? The only chance is not to waste your life. Half open, have no fear. The truth walks by your side.